Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's good, everybody? Tyler Armstrong here with lead pastor of 12th Street, Thomas Winborn. What's up, man? How you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing good. How you doing, Tyler? Man, just, you know, recovering from finals week um, with Greek and now trying to finish out the rest of the semester and then start summer classes. Yeah, I do not envy you at all. You're about to launch into Hebrew, right? Yep, Hebrew's coming up. Yeah, I don't want to ever go back to those classes. Well, just know that I'll be hitting you up for some help with class. Yeah, So good luck. let me ask you this question. Who's got your ear this week? Oh, man, um, that's a good question. So I would say that um, the person I've been listening to the most over the last week has been John Piper. I know that may sound cliche for a lot of folks that listen to us regularly, but um, uh, his Look at the Book series where he unpacks scripture and a lot of my sermon prep, I, I read tons of commentaries, listen to a lot of guys, and he's one that just unpacks just ad nauseum on Romans 8. And so uh, while we're preaching through that, it's something I've been listening to. Yeah, um, for me, um, it's actually been this podcast that's called Southside Rabbi. Um, it's KB and Amin Hudson. KB is a uh, Christian rapper. His name's Kevin Burgess. Um, he signed on to Reach Records. And Amin Hudson writes for the Gospel Coalition. Uh, both really just Christ-centered dudes. Um, I started the podcast last night. Now, it's from September of last year is when it started and ended in December. There's only nine episodes. But last night's episode was the first one. I was listening to it while working out, and it was just called Remember Death. And kind of in this season, I mean, with this virus kind of raging and seeing the death tolls rise and all this, it's kind of an interesting idea to think about death and realize that I'm not infinite. I'm not immortal. Um, and so to, to, to ponder on death and to realize that Christ has actually overcame death um, was really good for me. So I, I'm diving into that podcast. I'll keep you all posted about how much I like it. Yeah, it sounds real interesting. So um, who are you worshiping with this week? Oh man, you know, as an old group, I've been I've been around for a long time called Ghost Ship, and um, the song that's really been playing in my brain over and over again it's called Never Gave Up, and uh, it's a little more somber of a of a feel to it, but man, it is a, a really worshipful song for me that the Lord is He just never gave up on me, and so uh, that's just a huge part of my testimony. So talking about it, it, Ghost Ship is the band that they did like that old like they took the Son of David and they yep. t- they remixed the uh, gosh what's that song the Holy, holy, holy with a huge organ swells at the yes, end of it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that band. Yeah, I just dude, realized they, who, they, who they, they were. They rock, man. And they're still around. They're still putting out new stuff. It's oh, really good. I did not realize that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that'll be who I'm listening to next week. <laughs> All right. Um, for me, it's been Keen's Kaleidoscope, which is kind of interesting because Ghost Ship kind of came out of that same movement as yep. Keen's Kaleidoscope. Yep, same Keen's, area. Yeah. Keen's Kaleidoscope, um, they're a worship band kind of out of the Seattle area, but. They're more cultural focused now, kind of engaging the culture forefront, that kind of front lines with the gospel. Um, they just came out with an album at the really beginning of 2019 called Zeal. And uh, I would encourage you, if you're going to listen to any of their music on that, listen to The Rush. The Rush is a three-part song that just kind of feeds over in the album. I love the song The Rush. I mean, specifically Breathing Infinity, such a great song. Um, there's this really cool, like, they, they chant the song, I know where I'm going, I know where I'm going, talking about heaven. And, man, it just fills me with so much hope, like, that 
I know where I'm going. Like I know yeah. where we're going. And so just really, yeah. really encouraging. To and it's a, to. it's a really good, really good group too. I mean, there, there is some things watch out for if you listen with your kids or some yeah. ideas in there, a little bit of language sometimes. There's one not, song that, yeah. that one song, and I'll just go ahead and give you a heads up. It's called a prayer and it has one really bad word in it. But the, it resonates with a lot of people though, because it, it, it speaks to the heart of like rawness and not just yeah. living in this Christianity, like superficiality. Um, and my, my kids, again, this is one of the groups that we turn on, on YouTube on our TV and we jam out at night and they love King's Kaleidoscope. I love it. It seems to cross generational boundaries. Yeah. Uh, old stuff, new stuff, it's good. Yeah, but that one song, just repeat that, it's one song, it's called A Prayer and it's on um, the album Before Zeal. Uh, just give you a heads up, there is a language warning there and it is one word but it's a pretty intense word. And so um, you can even Google it um, and read the story about why he did that. But anyway, we will not focus on that for this podcast. What are you reading this week? Uh, so I uh, just started a new book this week called Meditations on Preaching by Francis James Grimke. It's not even really a book per se. It's just more of a collection of his thoughts and, and sayings on scripture. But I did happen to quote one of the things in there on my Facebook feed last night because it just really impacted me about his thoughts. I mean, as a as an African-American preacher for the Presbyterian um, background, uh, he was in a minority in so many ways. And I uh, he just states over and over again in different places that everything has to remain about the gospel. That's that's what it remains about. Everything's tied to scripture. It's all scripture based, all truth based there in the scriptures, and everything has to be about making Jesus the hero. Yeah. See, I we just got these books in from the from the conference we were supposed to be at, you know, together for the gospel last week, and I saw that book and I did not recognize that guy's name. And so now you just encouraged me to pick it up. So I guess I'm going to grab that off the shelf and bring it home with the other books that I'm reading this week. Uh, for me, um, I've been flipping through A Long Obedience in the Same Direction by Eugene Peterson. Um, it's a really interesting kind of premise for a book. He goes through the Psalms of Ascent um, in the Book of Psalms. Um, and the Psalms of Ascent is really interesting. What the Jews would sing as they ascended the hill going into Jerusalem. So Jesus would be singing these Psalms. Uh, going into and he takes it and focuses in on different spiritual practices um, and how each of these psalms actually focus in on different practice if you don't know who eugene peterson is he's most famous for the message which is not good uh which is not good that he's the only thing famous for because like i sit there and think like man like if that's the only thing he's known for, there's so much more things that are just so deep. So like, um, how keen catchers catch fire. I mean, like all those really good writings, I would encourage anyone who's really interested in the message to go into that. I like the message. I'm not going to like, you know, diss the message. I used to be one of those guys, but I really appreciate what Eugene was trying to do with that. Well, you have to understand the message was never intended to be a translation. Yes. He wrote that to introduce people to the truths of scripture where they were with zero Christian background in a context where he used their vernacular, but he never intended it to be a translation, but then it got picked up and bought when and the rights got bought and they turned it into an actual translation, which was not the purpose of the message. And he would tell you that, and you can actually go back and read anything on Eugene Peterson. He says that over and over and over. He's a very contemplative pastor leader, and so uh, really big on the practices. One of my favorite things he ever said, and then we can move on. He said he would never pastor a church where he could not know everybody's name. Yeah, like like like, like yeah, you know like, like that like that's really powerful to me because in this culture you know bigger church mean bigger church bigger church bigger church, and I, I've kind of realized that that's not the 
we, we aren't meant to chase that. We're meant to pursue Jesus and lead others to Jesus. And that was Eugene Peterson's goal. And that book is phenomenal. Well, and it speaks hard to being a pastor, yeah. shepherd, and not just being a preacher, yes. right, too. So it's, it's so much more. It goes back to the Puritan-esque, like uh, Watson and some of those guys and how they would talk about doing pastoring. It was about serving the body and what's best for them. And yes. that was the big piece, not the preaching moment per se, which is a huge part of it. But that's not the moment. It's about pastoring and shepherding. Yeah. I love Eugene Peterson. So check out that book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Um, so what's a book everyone needs to read this week? Yeah. So uh, this is one that I read at first in seminary. And I was a new believer only a few months into being a Christian when I went to seminary, which is crazy to think about. That's another story in itself. But uh, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, uh, it is basically a systematic um, book about doctrines, but it's written in a devotional format about who God is. Mm -hmm. And so you read a chapter, you seek the Lord on that, you read some scripture with it along as scripture is laced without the scripture throughout. And you, uh, you read that one chapter every few days and just let, let yourself steep in those truths about God. And it's a classic. I mean, top 10, everybody should read that book. Yes. Um, I love knowing God. Um, it was a book I picked up a little bit later on, probably about four or five years ago, which I mean, I, I, I wish I'd have picked it up earlier. And so it's one of those ones that I'm constantly giving away. Like, I don't even think I have a copy of it right now because I give it away. And so um, it's a great, great work, a Christian classic. Um, I would tell you a little bit of a newer book. Now I say newer, I mean like 10 years ago, um, Explicit Gospel by Matt Chandler. Um, I love Explicit Gospel. It was one of those kind of books, kind of in that kind of same window of like radical, crazy love, kind of came out in that same uh, time period. Um, I love the idea of actually getting to know the gospel explicitly. Um, when we think of the word explicit, we obviously think of other things, but it's literally just talking about the clearest, explicit version of the gospel that is found in the scriptures and only the scriptures. Not what we've added to it, not what we've taken away from it, but the biblical gospel. And Chandler does this really good job of talking about the gospel from 30,000 feet, which is like seeing the overview of the gospel and then the gospel on the ground, which is where we are living out the gospel. Um, I love that book. Um, I, I read it with students. It's one of the books I take through with students about through discipleship as we're going to talk about today and so i love explicit gospel yeah i throw a little funny in on that so when this book came out i was that together for the gospel the okay. conference in louisville and uh my wife couldn't be with me on that trip and so i picked up a copy uh and i was I, they'd given one out free maybe that year and i bought one for my wife and i went up to the front all the guys that speak which Chandler was one of that year you go up and they kind of hang out in the front of the room in this big auditorium and and you can talk to them and ask questions get a picture if you want to do that sort of thing which has kind of always been weird to me yeah, about that stuff celebrity pastor and i don't usually do this but i thought i want to give my wife something kind of cool so i'm yeah. like hey could you i went up to chandler and say hey uh, would you be willing to write a little note to my wife uh, you know and here saying something funny like you know you couldn't be here sorry here's a gift you know yeah. just being kind of funny with it and i didn't realize until i walked up there how gargantuan that guy is he is so tall he dude. is so tall like and when he five. shook my hand my hand disappeared in his hand and yes. i'm not a small dude you know <laughs> and so it was it was kind of funny you're like looking up at yeah. this tall guy he's bigger than life really and um and, he, and you're doing something kind of funny and i kind of cracked a joke and he didn't laugh Oh. And I just thought, like, what a fail, you oh, know? dude, wow. You ever done that before? Yes, like, yes. yes. Yeah, I did that with be... David Platt. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, talk about, like, big-name pastors. I tried that with right. David Platt. It did not work. And so, yeah. Yeah, don't do that. I'm sorry. I'll pray for you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but anyway, and so uh, today we're going to be talking about a something that kind of changed with our church, and that is 
small group structure. So let's just kind of talk about really quick. Um, those of you who go to 12th Street, you know how our small group structure worked. We had small groups that met on Sunday mornings that we called Sunday school, which I, I like Sunday school. I'm not going to like diss Sunday school. I love Sunday school. I love the idea behind Sunday school. And then we tried these Sunday night groups alongside Sunday school. And then this little thing called the coronavirus came, and it like dropped an atomic bomb on the way we do church. Yeah. And so today we're going to be talking about kind of this this vision, this idea of something that you can do right now that Thomas is going to that Thomas has kind of coined micro groups, uh, which he kind of got you know influenced by from well different guys. Yeah, I mean, a lot guys. of guys have different words for it, so it's not my phrase at all. But let me back up and say this real quick. So I too. Um, I'm from the South, but um, I will say that when I was when I was getting interviewed for this position, uh, there was a little thing going around. People saw my resume here; they knew that I had moved things from checked your website. Yeah, they they knew we'd gone from a Sunday school format to a small groups and homes format, and so there was this word going around that I might be a Sunday school killer. That yeah, was dude. the word. That, you know, that, that sounds like a really good Christian rapper, like the Sunday school killer, you know? <laughs> or a really bad horror movie. Yeah. You know, one of the two, <laughs> like a pure flicks horror <laughs> film, right? Um, so. <laughs> I, I think it's important to say the reason I made that switch before was the culture we were in. Sunday school was already almost dead at that location. Yeah. And we went to in-home groups because we needed to kickstart something for community and for accountability and development and training. Um, here, Sunday school, it has fit the bill. I mean, we we have such a high rate. I mean, 80 to 90% of people that show up to our service on Sunday morning go to a small group. Yes. It is ridiculous the percentage of, yes. of people that do that. So I wouldn't mess with that because it's doing what we want. People are engaging. What we're going to talk about today is it takes it to a new level, uh, to an additional level. You can only get so much out of that hour-long time in a room mm -hmm. with 12 to 20 people in a Sunday school class. Which, in our case... A little bit bigger than twenty in some in some of our classes. Yeah, yeah no doubt. I mean, our, ours are are packed a lot of Sundays to the brim. Yeah. In fact, the only way we can grow is to either double Sunday school hours or build new space. And we're not going to build new space at this point, so we're no. going to have to double Sunday school at some point. But uh, micro groups is actually not something to do as an overflow. I think it's an essential component. Yes. When you look at Jesus's methodology in the New Testament, you see that he had a 12 that he chose that was like his Sunday school group, his small group environment in that sense. It was a missional community. They didn't just hear teaching and take it home and chew on it and come back for more teaching. They did things together. Yeah. Uh, and then he had a larger group setting, like the 72 and, and, and so on. But he had the inner three. Yes. And that inner three is what I would call the micro group. I would say it can't be more than four or five people together, including the one leading the group or facilitating the group, I would say. Um, so you had four to five people plus God. And I say plus God because we got to make sure that we talk about the fact that we are always in the presence of God because he's everywhere at all times. Uh, but when we gather together for the purpose of encouraging one another to grow in our image of Christ, we are in the presence of God and he is working in us and he is present with us. We have to treat each other and him like he's there with us because he is. Yes. It's not something we talk about. It's someone we do this with. Yeah. And, and, and we don't have to do the weird thing where we leave like a seat open for him. Like, you know, <laughs> right. like, I mean, but we got to realize that the, that the presence of God is there among us. Yep. Um, yep. And, and, and he is with us at all times. So let me ask you this, Thomas, why microgroups versus, you know, even in this time, in this season, establishing a microgroup, Versus like doing a one-on-one -on -one group, a one-on-one -on -one group, if that's even classified as a group, or even like a larger small group format. Why do you say micro groups are the way to go? Yeah, so multiple reasons. Uh, one of the things is, is that we want to have 
Jesus wants us to make disciples who make disciples. Yes. Okay. The scriptures say that. If if we're making disciples, but we're not making disciples who then make disciples, we're failing. Mm -hmm. And so those disciples we are making, investing in, they need to turn around and reproduce as well. Uh, So to do that, the format has to be carefully done. I think Jesus did it on purpose. Three guys plus him. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, even though he is the rabbi, he's the teacher, uh, he's teaching across the table. Um, instead of teaching down to one guy, that he's facilitating life change and transformation because you're all sitting around the table talking about things and working through things. Uh, and you're giving away some of that responsibility, which we see, we see Jesus do in certain areas as well by asking the disciples to go do this, go do that. Uh, so that format's better. You have better facilitation. Uh, and, and also it gives away some of the leadership in the room when you yeah. do it around a table with three or four guys which, I mean, instead of one-on-one. You can one. even see this in the scriptures yeah. you know, with, with, with Peter. Like, yeah. I mean, like Peter kind of assumed the leadership in the disciples. I mean, like when you look at Jesus interacting, it was like Peter was the leader of the of, the, of this, this you know this this ragtag group of guys, right. um, which is really interesting to me because that was one of the guys who was inside Jesus's inner circle, one of the guys who was at the cross with Jesus, one, the only guy that was at the cross with Jesus, John, who was on the inner circle with him, you know. And so it's just really interesting to see you know Jesus's model of discipleship. But in a lot of ways, the church doesn't do that. Um, no. It blows my mind that the guy who literally established the church upon Peter's confession, you know that. You know, you are the son of God. We do it a completely different way. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think it's because we mean to. We no, just, we, no, no, no. It's the Not model. It's the model we've jumped into. Yeah. There's lots of models, and this is the model that we've jumped into. The model is come to church, attend a church instead of being the church in some levels. Uh, attend, then get connected in a small group, a Sunday school class, and then serve. And serve means like at one of the ministries at the church. Yeah, like, like, right, you know, like, right. like be a part of some kind of ministry at the church. At the church or with a ministry outside the church, yeah. one or the other or both. Usually we'd say both, um, and that's not a bad model. The problem is we need to grow deeper. You're not a healthy Christian if you don't look like Jesus. Oh, that's good. Right, and so if you if you are only being a part of a gathering that's large, a gathering that's small, uh, where you sit in a room and get taught some information in both places, and then you go and serve like being a greeter, those things are really good, but that's not really going to develop you into an image of Christ. Yeah. And so, and this is why the micro group, you know, especially we both feel that is a healthy thing that we can all do because it really is a multiplication process instead of an addition process. Yeah. And explain what that means, Thomas, like multiplication versus addition. Yeah. So we need to be in the mindset that we are a training center that as a group. Okay. So we are, we're moving from being teacher oriented to being trainer oriented. So if I can dump a lot of information on someone and they go home and they realize, man, I could never do that. They're in a small group. They're in a Sunday school class and they go, gosh, I could never do what that Sunday school teacher just did. They know so much. I'm not there yet. We are actually implicitly telling them you can't be a disciple maker because you don't have that talent. You don't have that skill set. You don't have that knowledge, but Jesus doesn't do that. He calls on these guys, spends time with them and sends them out, debriefs them and goes back. And he just basically says, basically, here you go. You go do the thing. Um, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to show you how to do it. Now you go do it. So we need to have this format where people see it is not about teaching information. It's about posturing for transformation. And gender specific is important for this, I think, because we can develop the the, the part of accountability. Yeah. This needs to be like three to four or five guys, three to four or five women together. So you can talk about the things you can't talk about in mixed company. Yes. Or you shouldn't talk about sometimes about mixed company um, and, and do that together that way. 
Um, let me tell you the things that you should do. How about okay. that? We'll yeah. banter on that for a yeah. second. So, like, um, what are some things that you should do in the midst of a microgroup? So, what does a microgroup look like? If you could say, okay, I'm going to construct a microgroup from scratch right now, what does that look like, Thomas? Yeah, so the first thing, we got to be intentional. So, set a time and a place for it. Maybe you pick Jack's at 5 a.m. because that's the only time people can meet. Why is that important? Well, we'll never do it consistently if we don't set a time and a place yeah. and get commitment. Commitment is huge. In our culture of non-commitment, commitment is going to be huge for this level of development. You're saying, I will be there. I want to go through this with the guys. I want to build relationships. I want to become like Jesus. Yeah. It's really important. Uh, and then the, the, the closed-handed part of this, the anchor, is Scripture and prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, prayer being people together talking together to God. Okay, that's got to be there. The scripture part of that is the grounding. What are we going to talk about? What are we going to learn? How do we know to become like Jesus? What do we know to change in? Scripture is what gives us that clarity and that direction. And so that doesn't mean you expound on scripture. If you meet for an hour, that you expound on scripture for 45 minutes. That's teaching. And what I would argue is that we aren't there to to teach we're there to coach others and facilitate growth so we want to be real with one another we want to be able to do what we call examination as we're going to ask god together god reveal to us where we're not living out this truth of scripture and then confess that to one another so god what are you telling me based on the scripture and then what am i going to do about it? that's the two questions what are you telling me and what am i going to do about it and And those two questions really quick not in a minute interrupt those two questions are kind of the, the 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 root of the entire quote unquote teaching aspect is what is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? That's it. Like, like, like yeah. We come to the table with this passage and we say, okay, we're reading Matthew five today. Like, like we're going to read the Beatitudes. I slow down, but back up. Yeah. We're reading Matthew five verse four. Today. Oh so, yeah. So, so yeah. So breaking it down even further. So yeah. like not even like, I mean, not even like just saying this huge passage or this, you know, this, this section, this pericope, if you will, one verse, we're going to read Matthew 5, verse 4, and we're going to say, hey, what is this verse saying to me? And personally, what is it saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? And you can look across the table to, let's just say it was like a Luke Parker across the table from me or even Thomas. Hey, what is this What is this passage saying to you? What is this verse saying to you? Well, let's, what are make you sure, let's make sure we do this. I don't want to run and be careful because some folks without any context of what that scripture is saying can yeah. make that be about whatever they want it to be about. Yes. So whoever's leading the group has a little extra responsibility to be really understanding of the context that verse is in, that what's around it, uh, the, what's really going on there. Maybe you have to invest in a in a, uh, a resource like a commentary or something. We would, we would love to help you to get something that would help you in that really way. Really quick, a, great plug ESV study Bible. Okay, second great plug, NIV Compact Bible Commentary by by John Selhammer. John Selhammer. Those two, get them, order them, Amazon Prime those things. NIV Compact Bible Commentary by John Selhammer in the ESV study Bible. Yeah, he's reading that off my desk right now because that's how much I use it. I mean, it's on my desk right now. Yeah, so you take those two little resources, man, and use that to know the context, and then you can just say, here's what this verse means. And then say to people, okay, now now that you know what this verse means, when we, when we say the question, what is God saying to you? We mean, what's he telling you to do in light of this truth? Like, because you know, he's going to convict you of sin. He's going to show you where you're failing, where you're not living up to it. And you say, okay, now what am I going to do about it? Well, yes. A, I'm going to run to Jesus. I'm going to I'm going to beg 
pardon and forgiveness. He gives it because he's gracious and kind and died for that sin. And B, now how do you need to change? Well, it's not going to be by mustering up your own strength, but it's going to be by praying together mm-hmm. and asking the Lord to work in you and running to him and living in the strength of Christ. So what is this telling me to do and what am I going to do about it? That's the big questions. Um, and, and the other part of this is this will bleed over into relationships where when you then get together with one of these guys in your group or one of these ladies in your in your, your micro group, uh, when you're just going to do life together, then you have the unintentional time where you're still intentional about living Jesus out together, uh, but you're not so planned out. But in this time, you need to be planned out to have scripture, prayer, some accountability, yeah. uh, and those those two questions we're talking about. Yeah, and when we say bleed over, kind of what the idea is, is like, you know, imagine an empty cup, like, like your life is an empty cup. The, these groups are meant to pour into your empty cup. It's kind of get your cup filled, and then your cup runs over. And as it bleeds over, it bleeds over into all areas of life, and even within that group. Like, I mean, I'm just thinking about kind of like a, like a micro group for me right now. Um I could get some guys together. We could talk about scripture and then afterwards, you know, we could go for a run. We could work out. We could do these things that, you know, we enjoy together that help us to grow deeper relationally and then also help us grow deeper in Christ through the scriptures, through the prayers, through the, through the anchor that you mentioned. And let's not make it too much into like all the background, right? Just to, I want to hang out and learn how you cook a steak because yes. I like the way your steak tastes. Yes. You know, I want to hang out at your house. I want to hang out with you and see how you bring up your kids because I'm struggling with bringing up my kids. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, the reason to get together that will bleed over into that time together. Yeah. So that's good stuff. I love it. So, so you talked about what you do inside these micro groups. What do you not do? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, first thing I already kind of said it, but first thing you don't do is lecture. You're gonna if you're a teacher, you're gonna to want to lecture. Do not lecture. In fact, tell the guys where you're gonna study before you get there, so they have time to review it and imprint it on their heart, mm-hmm. memorize the verse, get it in their heart. So you want to coach, don't teach, and make sure you do this. Keep track of how long you talk about the verse and how long you talk about the scripture. And if you're talking up to a third or half of your time based off of that, you're edging up upon the time of turning it into a lecture more than you are into a time of uh, of teaching. In fact, I would say it like this: true. Truth, this is a quote from a guy named Chase Abner. Truth that is discovered by the learner. Truth that's discovered by the learner has more power to transform than truth that is delivered by the teacher. Truth that is discovered by the learner has more power to transform than truth that is delivered by the teacher. That is a legit statement. Everybody knows it's true. When something happens to you and you have a light bulb go off on your own, that's way more powerful than somebody rattling off the truth to you. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, coming from my background, you know, in, in education, when that student gets it, when, when you see that light bulb that they discovered this truth on their own, mm-hmm. it, it's so much different than when I'm just up there standing in front of the room, you know, just lecturing. Yep. The problem is, is that leaks over into the church. You know, yep. I, I think of you know, so many times in Sunday school growing up, I was sitting through a lecture style teaching, which isn't bad. All right. Like I love, I'm a lecturer at heart. I could literally lecture about church history all day long. I've been begging Thomas to let me do a church history course. Uh, but, but the problem is, 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 is one of the questions we've asked is, okay, how could that lead to transformation? And I don't have a good answer for that yet. So somebody think of one and we can make it happen. All right. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm a lecturer at heart. And so this idea of coaching has been really encouraging to me as a, as a ministry leader here at this church, somebody who's a, a pastor on staff, but also as someone who coaches others, you know, th- yeah. these ones who are underneath me, kind of in my micro group that we kind of got going. Um, so you if know. you have a tendency to be a lecturer or a teacher, then you need to switch gears and think not what can I teach these people? What questions can I ask 
based off this truth that they've been studying and that we clarify for a few minutes, what questions can I ask so that they find the answers and have that powerful change moment? Yes. So, because you don't, you're not the Holy Spirit. You're not God. You don't know what God's doing in their life, but you can ask questions like, hey, what's God telling you in this? And then what are you going to do about it? And that will help them to develop that path with the Lord yes. as they depend on the Holy Spirit. And, it, and in those first few times, just being honest, it may not go as well as what you yeah. want. You know, you may yeah. be shouldering a lot of weight, but as more walls break down relationally, mm-hmm. you will notice that those two questions can go fill up the entire time, really. Yep. I mean, I, I've seen it happen. So what's another thing that you don't do? Yeah. Secondly, don't gloss over habitual sin. Habitual sin needs to be dealt with appropriately and directly with grace, but also with sternness. The Bible says to rebuke one another. Yeah. It's like, hey, stop doing that. Yeah. What, what's Get to the root of why do you do that? A big way, thing I've been learning about is how to break habits. Um, and, and how to break a, a bad habit is first recognize the things that lead up to that moment where you step into that bad habit. And so habitual sin is not something we gloss over. You don't pat them on the back and be, oh, you'll do better next week. No, rebuke them, walk with them, kind of, you know, kick their rear end for a second as a friend, as a brother, as a sister, and then help them get back up and walk forward. We need that kind of difficult, hard love. You need it as a child. We need it as an adult as well. Um, Another one that I want to talk about real fast is not to move too fast. Yeah. Okay. Don't move too fast. Stay somewhere. Listen, you are not downloading information in this time. You're posturing for transformation. Okay, you're not downloading information into three, four, five guys or gals. You are posturing the group for transformation. So slow it down. Take smaller chunks. Focus on the small bits. Don't get worried about taking it all of Scripture. It'll take you your whole life to get close to being anywhere near that. Take it a step at a time. Jesus took three years with his disciples before he pushed them out of the nest. That was Jesus. It should take us longer, honestly. Yes. Okay, so don't get revved up for speed. Slow it down. And lastly, I would say this. Effectively, a lot of times we ignore the Holy Spirit in the midst of these groups. Sunday school, micro groups, large group gatherings. We have to stop ignoring the Holy Spirit. We have to walk with the Lord ourselves, step into that place, prayed a lot with the Lord, asking the Lord to give us clarity, to guide us, to nudge us when to speak, to nudge us when to stop speaking, to nudge us when to wait, to nudge us when to, to rebuke, to nudge us when to exhort or encourage. We need to be walking in the Holy Spirit, and we need to also in that time, just if somebody's struggling with something, stop and pray. Ask the Lord for help. You're not doing a format. You're trying to lead people towards transformation as they depend on Jesus as their only hope, as their only help. Yeah. Um, before we close, I just want to just give a testimony to just a micro group that influenced me. I mean, my boss, you know, growing up, you know, poured into me and another, and, and just and a few guys. And I mean, and a bunch of those guys I still talk to, still have a relationship with, still have a relationship. I mean, the, the guy who was my boss is now our high school guy's small group leader. You know, I mean, just how the Lord works in that way. Um, I was in, I've been in one-to-one discipleship groups, but I'm telling you, when you get a group of, you know, three to five, you know, same gender, you know, somebody, I mean, for example, like, I mean, I've, I've went to Jason and said, hey man, like, how can, how can I be a better husband? Like, how can I be, I mean, yeah. even when I was dating Ryan, you know, my wife, how can I be a better boyfriend and, and him, you know, pouring into me and Jason wasn't a pastor. He wasn't, he wasn't this, you know, he wasn't just, he was just a guy that went to the church who said, you know what? I want to pour into these, to these guys just so that we can 
helped him be more like Jesus. And he was my boss at work at Jerry's pharmacy. And I mean, you can do these things. Don't be intimidated. All it takes is to be intentional, to live life alongside one another and to be a disciple who makes disciples. Um, It's not meant to be this curriculum based thing, which curriculums aren't bad, but it's not meant to be this curriculum based thing. It's meant to be a Jesus based thing. Yeah. And make sure this, you're only asked to take what God has poured into your cup and poured into somebody else's yes. cup. We're not asking you to rewrite the whole thing or to know all of Scripture and know all the answers. It's an okay to tell somebody, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, to say, I don't know. I'll look that up. I'll learn about that. The biggest point of this is depend on the Holy Spirit, step out and be what Jesus told us to be, which is a disciple maker, and just gather some guys together and say, look, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know I want to be more like Jesus. To do that, we've got to be intentional. Would you guys gather with me at this time? Let's get together and let's see if we can help help one another become more like Christ. And you might be surprised the number of people that have never had that question asked to them. And the beautiful part about it is you're going to get something out of the person leading the group, but you're going to get even more probably out of the people that are in the group at the same level as everybody else. Yes. You're going to learn from one of the, the, the leader is going to learn, the facilitator is going to learn from those in the group and probably more than they expect to learn from him. Yeah. So it, it, it's all the way around. It's a good model. It's Jesus's model. Mm-hmm. We need to implement it. Well, that's enough for this week's episode of the ReChurch podcast. Be sure to tune in every week. We will be pushing out content through this. We love doing it. Please give us feedback. We'd like to hear feedback uh, from you all. We got a text message from a church member that said that she loves it. So shout out to you because we love you too. And so we are looking forward to gathering together. And that might be a podcast. What is gathering together going to look like in the future in the midst of this coronavirus age? Uh, this is the ReChurch Podcast. See y'all next week.